Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scrub Nation Podcast. I am Ryan Sharp, and with me always is Todd Lancaster. Todd, it's been a couple weeks. How you been? Oh, it's been great. Uh, great time of the holidays. I know you had a great time on family vacation and stuff. Uh, not necessarily uh, good that we, you know, skipped the podcast a couple weeks, but I think it was a great week for a uh, great couple weeks for both of us to just kind of relax, get our minds right, uh, especially jumping into the crazy that is holiday season and everything. So uh, feeling yeah. pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You being a you being a teacher and myself being a minister, it's kind of a, a crazy season, especially with kids. They're excited to be off of school, so they're kind of rambunctious and ready to be on break. But we're trying to keep them focused on the test and the things that they got to finish out the semester and finish out the classes strong before they go on break. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love love my job, but uh, <laughs> this time period here, it it. it uh, it tests you for sure. <laughs> true. But like I said, I love it. Now let's get into the juicy part. Let's get into the baseball free agency. Let's let's move away from football for a minute. And let's talk about some, some free agency signings. Um, and obviously, uh, the biggest one, the one that everybody was waiting on, Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million to stay with the Yankees. Um, he just won the AL MVP. He hit 62 home runs last year and batted 311. He's a great outfielder. Give me your thoughts on this contract, though, and what it means for the Yankees. All right. First off, let's just talk about the contract itself. Nine years, $360 million. That's crazy to think he's getting $40 million a year. Not when you look at the numbers, the 62 homers, 131 ribbies, uh, the slash line at 311, 425, 686. His 211 OPS plus, crazy. He deserves $40 million. But at the same time, imagine if you got $40 million a year for nine consecutive years that's crazy uh now in terms of impact uh we kind of probably going to talk on this a little bit later maybe uh, but at, the signing is great for the yankees but they haven't moved the needle they're in the same spot they haven't done anything and so his, his impact is i'm going to list it as maybe moderate at this point because yes, anytime you can add an AL MVP and 62 home runs to your lineup, you immediately get better. Uh, but they were fighting to retain him. It wasn't like they were bringing him in to add on to something. Uh, and it's going to be hard to repeat exactly what he did last year. Um, pitchers yeah. are going to adjust over the offseason. Uh, Judge will be great again, uh, probably 40 to 50 homers again. Um, Will he be able to do that all nine seasons? Probably not. Towards the end of that, he's going to falter and his power is going to maybe go somewhere. I don't know. I'm just, you know, hypothetical here. But um, but if the Yankees can find some more money to fill the rest of the holes that they have, um, bringing back Aaron Judge, the impact is going to go up. But as of right now, with the way the team is structured right now, his impact is going to be moderate. He's yeah. He's got them as an 80 five to 90 win team just him being there yeah yeah and and i know we talked about it a few episodes when we talked about you know who was going to win um you know the the mvps and all of that and um i talked about if you took away his 62 home runs which batted in like 82 rbis just from those 62 run those home runs or whatever um that like the yankees were struggling to make the playoffs um and I think you said it best, like it doesn't move the needle. And I agree with that because if the Yankees play the same way and he doesn't hit 62 home runs, 
are they struggling to make the playoffs next year because people aren't getting on base for him to hit in with the home runs like if he's just hitting solo shots it, it's not really doing it's doing something but it's not really doing something yeah I, yeah I mean and like you're saying he had 62 home runs but only got 82 RBIs off that like realistically you're thinking 62 home runs he probably should be getting close to 100 ribbies off that alone and so you factor in the fact that he got I don't know let me do the quick math here like 49 more RBIs you're looking at he should have had 150 plus ribbies at least um for the season and so that's that's 20 something runs that you know he didn't get yeah or, or that the that the Yankees in general didn't get and that adds up you know that's that's quite a few wins and so uh yeah it's they haven't moved the needle they if anything they've gotten a little bit worse because Benintendi's still a free agent right now and um they haven't really filled any of the other holes and yeah they brought Tommy Canely in but the Yankees got they got some stuff to do to to get there and that division the rest of that division is catching up fast yeah yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can bring Benintendi in uh, or back, I guess, technically. Um, and um, if they can bring anybody else in, like you said, to fill some holes. Um, I, I saw a rumor today that they were actually looking at bringing in uh, Rondon, uh, or yeah, um, yeah. To, to be part of their starting rotation, um, which will be super interesting if that happens. Oh, yeah. But for sure, um, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Next, Jacob DeGrom, five years, 185 million to join the Texas Rangers. Last season, he started 11 games. He ended with five wins and four losses and a 308 ERA. This is the first time since 2017, though, that DeGrom has had over a three ERA. <laughs> That's crazy to say. Um, his ERA plus was more pedestrian, too. It was a 126, which is slightly below what they would consider elite at 130. Um, but also factor in the, that he made a third of the starts. Uh, had a had, He only had 64 innings, so a third of his innings realistically, too. It wasn't just his starts got cut in three. His innings did, too, and he had 102 strikeouts to go with it. Um, first off, congratulations, uh, <laughs> Ryan, on your Rangers spending money to fix the biggest hole that they have. Thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and realistically, looking at Jacob DeGrom, five years, $185 million is is very reasonable. Um, I, you know, he's a pitcher that could have commanded $40 million a year, matched, you know, something Aaron Judge-type numbers. Uh, so the Rangers, I, I think Chris Young did a very good job with DeGrom's deal and, uh, and bringing him in because, like I said, that is the biggest – issue that y'all have had y'all have had some ace type guys like martin perez in there but now you have a true ace to step in and just he's a front guy like a legitimate one and and you've still got perez and you've still got you you've got john gray and and we'll talk more about you know bringing in odorizzi and stuff but um i truly think that that the impact that DeGrom's going to have is going to be immediate and it's going to be extremely, extremely high. Yeah. Um, you're, you're looking at the Rangers at minimum right now, if the season started right now, at minimum, a wild card spot. Well, I, uh, sitting at, sitting at lunch, uh, last Sunday or this, this past Sunday, um, 
with one of my buddies sitting next to me who's a big Astros fan and um, we were talking baseball and um, you know I told him I looked at him and I said I said here's my uh, I said here's my crazy prediction I said I don't think you're ready to hear it I said but I said the Rangers are going to win the division this year with the Astros following them up in second place the Astros are not going to have Justin Verlander this year he's going to sign with the Mets which he did I said I said and I said the Rangers aren't done spending money yet this this year in free agency and he looked and at me not. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes what are you smoking because I need some of that and sure enough and sure enough like the next 48 hours Justin Verlander signs with the Mets and I send him a message and I'm like are you sure that I'm smoking something because I told you <laughs> it was going to happen um which is the next person that we're going to talk about which is Justin Verlander two years almost 87 million dollars to join the Mets uh, JV obviously last year uh, won the ALCY Young Award. Uh, Twenty-eight games started, won eighteen, lost four, and finished the season with a one-point-seven-five ERA. Yeah, and, and like I talked about with Judge, anytime that you can add an, an award winner, you know, in this case the ALCY Young with with Verlander, you're going to get an immediate impact. Um, but the question that comes with Verlander is he's going to be forty and forty-one at the end of the deal, and so in his age 40 and 41 seasons, is he going to put up Cy Young numbers? Is he going to have that 175 ERA? Is he going to be able to get to 175 innings? Um, his Ks came down. He didn't strike out as many people as he normally does. Uh, he was at 185, which is a little over one an inning, which is still a good number, but if it continues to fall, obviously the ERA is going to be inflated because that's generally how it works. Uh, he had a crazy 220 ERA plus, which is way above elite that is ridiculous and so but will he like i'm saying is he gonna age is he gonna age gracefully um will father time catch up to him it's gonna have to eventually um and he's got a surgically repaired arm uh, and so at, yeah. at 40 and 41 are, are, are is it gonna hold up to the innings and, and meet the demands of, of truly being an ace and they've got max scherzer in there uh, who's had arm fatigue in the past and is an older guy like Verlander. And so the front end of your rotation is some old men. And the impact could be immediate. But, yeah, um, well, it, it's a – it's a we'll see after five starts truly what it's going to be. Uh, yeah. If, if yeah. he comes out first five starts of the season is, is just nailing down hitters and stuff, I – it could work out really well for the Mets, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And we'll keep it with the Mets. Um, Brandon Nimmo, eight years, $162 million to stay with the Mets. Um, last year, he batted 274 uh, for 159 hits, 71 walks, and 64 RBIs. I mean, just overall, what are your thoughts on the entire Mets spending this offseason? Uh, it's crazy. Um, you know, they're, they're still in on Rodone. Um, and, and well, there's a possibility that they sign Rodon, and and then there's the possibility that they're that they're going after Kodai Singa, which is the Japanese pitcher that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, there, there's a reason that the CBA has the Steve Cohen tax, and it's because Steve Cohen is doing exactly what everybody was afraid he was going to do. This multi-billionaire, ridiculous amount of money to his name is going out there and. I think at the end of this offseason, we're looking at a $450 million payroll. And uh, from the from the moment that the ink dried on Verlander's deal, 
everything from that point forward was taxed at 90% because of the Steve Cohen tax. And so with with Nemo's deal, 90% of that is also going to be tax money added on top of the payroll. And so, like I said, it, it could be a $430, $450 million payroll at the end of this offseason. Yeah. Um, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of, oh, teams shouldn't buy championships and stuff. But uh, I think something needs to be done. Um, not just saying this as a Dodger fan, uh, you know, being in the National League with the Mets. But anytime a team's pushing $500 million and teams are, some teams are struggling to even spend money, <coughs> A's got a net zero payroll right now. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. The overall spending of the Mets is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and talk about uh, Kodai Singa, though? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. See, I love um, – I'm not a huge fan of what Singa's got. Um, I'm projecting him to probably get $25 million a year. Um, and in terms of money, he's going to have the largest Japanese contract ever. Now, probably five years, $25 mill a year so it'd be a, about 125 million uh, last year he pitched 22 games uh in the mpb the nippon uh professional baseball league uh there in japan which is fun to watch if anybody ever has um he had a 194 era 144 innings 156 k's uh which the, the k's kind of translate pretty well from japan to uh the u.s because japanese hitters are elite um most of the time um, Japan doesn't really do the advanced metrics thing, but um, I can kind of throw out some other things here. Uh, he's got a really nice uh, three uh, three quarters delivery. Um, he does have a history of injury and fatigue, um, but I think most of that's behind him. He's still relatively young. Uh, what he throws, he has a fastball ninety four to ninety six, uh, which will obviously play really well in the bigs. It tops out at a hundred, so anytime a starter can push it up to 100 you're going to see Justin Berlander AL Cy Young type numbers Sandy uh, Alcantara numbers uh, like he did with for the NL Cy Young last year um, he's got a very nice cutter very nice slider one of the best sliders I've ever seen uh, but he's got the craziest fork ball ever um, Pitching Ninja had nicknamed it the Ghost Fork now uh, the players in Japan picked up on that they call it the Ghost Fork uh, it's uh, it's his impact, uh, depending wherever he's at, it's is if the ghost fork translates as well as everything else in his game, um, Singa's impact is going to be tremendous. I think he's he's probably going to end up on the Mets. Uh, there's some other teams pushing on him. Uh, Texas has talked to him. The Padres have met with him. Um, the Red Sox, the Yankees have talked to him. The Dodgers have had conversations. Uh, which those are really just big market teams for the most part, but. Uh, and, and that's uh, attractive to Japanese players. But uh, Singa could have an immediate impact. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll find a way to, to maybe link them to our Twitter page, whatever, some of the, the videos and stuff that Pitching Ninja has out there of the, of the ghost board. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. He got most of his strikeouts on that. And so I think Singa has the upside of, of, of an Otani or a Darvish. Uh, in terms of Japanese pitchers that are playing right now, be on the other side of a Kenta Maeda or a, a Yusei Kikuchi. It all depends on the forkball, not so much the fastball and the cutter and the slider. Those are big league pitches; they'll play. But if he can get that fourth pitch, the forkball down, um, 
man, he'll be he'll be great. He'll be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's jump back up to uh, some signings that have already happened. Um, Xander Bogarts, eleven years, two hundred and eighty million, to join the San Diego Padres. Last season, he batted three hundred seven for one hundred and seventy one hits and seventy three RBIs. How does this uh, play into the Padres? Uh, his his power numbers last year fell out a little bit. He's gonna, but he's gonna still step in and have an immediate impact. He's got a one thirty one OPS plus, which is slightly above that elite level. Uh, he's just a legitimate bona fide star. Um, defensively, he's great, uh, just all out tremendous. Um, and the Padres are going to be a scary team. They beat the Dodgers in the in the playoffs, uh, which hurts because um, the Dodgers were a legitimate contender. Uh, and so the Padres beat them pretty handily. And now that they're adding a guy like Bogarts, and eventually in the season they'll get Tatis. Uh, I mean, when you can roll out your your top, I don't know, five guys in a lineup are Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, and Jake Cronenworth. Your your lineup is crazy, um, bro. And, I forgot they Bo- had. I forgot they had Juan Soto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, traded, they traded for freaking Juan Soto. Uh, then they've got other guys, you know, um, Trent Grisham and and Hayson Kim that are, uh, and and Austin Nola in in the lineup that are just. They're, they're ball players, and so adding a guy like Bogarts to a stacked lineup already, um, it's it's crazy. It is crazy. I'm upset, uh, legitimately as a Dodgers fan, upset that they freaking got him at 11 for 280. Um, yeah. I really wish maybe he'd spent some more money, maybe crippled him a little bit and forced him to trade somebody off or something. I don't know, but. Uh, and there's a possibility that Tatis could get traded off or he could get stuck out in left field. I don't know. Um, and they've got a really good rotation, but bringing in a guy like Bogarts does a lot of good things, and I think he's going to have a good impact on uh, on Nando. Uh, Machado's kind of a hot-headed guy. Cronenworth's a younger guy than Nando, and uh, Soto's that, that same age, and I don't know how positive Soto is going to be impact-wise in terms of being a leader in the clubhouse with Nando, but Bogarts being an older veteran shortstop, and having dealt with some of the stuff that Nando's had to uh, of people kind of doubting him and, and not really being, you know, you know, not really, you know, they put all this pressure on him and him not exactly being, because for a long time there in Boston, Bogey was supposed to be the next big poppy or whatever. And, um, and then they traded off bets and then now they've let Bogey walk. And um, I think Bogarts will be, Tremendous. He'll have an almost immediate impact with the Padres. I mean, you're looking at the Padres pushing 100 wins at least yeah. now. And so, and yeah, yeah, Bogarts is a really good signing for the Padres, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, yeah. A, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting because I know we talked about, you know, where where Tatis was going to end up playing now that Bogarts is coming in. And, um, you know, you mentioned him going to outfield. And, I, and now, you, you know, you said something about him being traded and a possibility you know there's always that possibility and man i feel like i feel like if you trade him off like you're you're losing so much and i know that's crazy to say but like you said when you can roll out a lineup with those five guys in it like it's it's so dangerous for the other team like to just the pitcher up on the mound to be like all right well i got tatis out but now i have to get machado out Oh, uh, Tatis is on base. Machado's got out, but now I have to get Bogarts out. You know, and it's just like good grief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you freaking follow it up with that Juan Soto in the four hole. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And 
they haven't put the numbers out yet. They haven't even played a game together. But you're looking at the possibility of being a murderer's row Yankees type team here that could go down in history for production if they all play at that elite level like they can. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's gonna be scary. It really is. Yeah. Let's uh let's uh talk about the next guy, Trey Turner. Eleven years, three hundred million dollar contract to join the Phillies. Last year he batted two ninety eight with one hundred ninety four hits and one hundred RBIs. What are your thoughts on this losing a uh, losing another Dodger? It always hurts watching the stars walk away. But uh, apparently, if you want to make big money, just play for the Dodgers. Seager got, or let's even bounce it back even further than that. Machado played uh, like eighty games for the Dodgers. Got some. He got a ten-year, three hundred million-dollar deal with the the Padres. Then uh, Seager got his ridiculous. I don't even remember the numbers on it. It's like it's stupid, uh, you know. And then the third offseason in a row, a Dodger shortstop walks and gets eleven for three hundred mil. Um, so if you want to make money, go play shortstop for the Dodgers. Um, but on the flip side, Dodgers lost twenty-one home runs and a hundred ribbies. Um, Trey Turner is one of the best pure hitters in the league, and he's got uh, elite level speed. I mean, I think he's the fastest guy in the league. If not, he's he's up there. And um, anytime a team can add that kind of bat to a lineup, and it's scary. It is a really scary thing. But now to think that the Phillies, who just went six games with the Astros for the World Series, are adding Trey Turner to a lineup that already has Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, and JT Realmuto. Um, it's a scary thing for the rest of the National League uh, and, and really baseball in general because you're looking at it, the runners-up that very well could make another run at it. Yeah. Um, and so Trey's impact is going to be immediate. The The biggest hole that the Phillies had was going to be shortstop, whether whether it was going to be that they were going to have to play Bryson Stott there or Alec Bohm was going to move over from third, um, and then they were going to have a hole at second. But now they can just play Stott at second keep Bohm at third and and now they've got Trey Turner at short um and they've got, frick and I forgot they still got Giles Warburg Nick Castellanos and so that that lineup is it's it's so good from top to bottom it really yeah. is yeah yeah and the last guy that uh, we're going to talk about that's already signed uh, Wilson Contreras five years 87 and a half million to join the Cardinals uh, last year, he batted 243 with 101 hits and five RBIs and caught 11 people stealing as well. What are your thoughts on this signing? Um, he's not bringing a lot offensively. He's got a really good bat. He really does. Uh, he, he had 243. That's a solid number. Uh, his OPS plus was almost to the 130 mark. It was at 128. Um, but they had to find somebody to replace Yadier Molina. You need a leader on the field. Uh, you, you need a bat that can produce, uh, and you need a defensive wizard um, to replace Molina. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying Contreras is a Hall of Famer at this point, or, or, but he's gonna, he's gonna do a really good job stepping into the shoes of a first ballot Hall of Famer in Molina. He's gonna, he's gonna fit with the Cardinals really well. He's not this super cocky, flashy guy, so he's gonna fit in with, with, uh, with Tyler O'Neill and. Uh, and, and Nolan Arenado and um, and uh, NL MVP Paul Goldschmidt and so um, he's he's it's going to be great it's going to be great for the Cardinals um, it, it filled the biggest hole that they had at this point in the season in their offseason is, is you're worried about who's going to catch who's going to catch who's going to eat up those innings 
Um, and they've got a they've got a semi young. They've got their staff is is veterans, and then some young guys. And so, uh, he, I think he's going to do a good job stepping in and, and calming these guys down. Contreras is going to be really good with the bullpen guys. Uh, you've got a guy like Jordan Hicks, and um, that that's just going to step in and throw gas. And Contreras is going to be able to handle that. Um, his impact is going to be immediate for the Cardinals as well. Um, he might start off slow offensively, but it's beyond the offense that he's going to have the biggest impact. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about some probable signings, uh, some predictions just based off of uh, teams that could make a World Series push with these signings. Um, first one being Carlos Correa, um, predicted 10 years, $300 million to sign with the Giants. Um, how does that how does that bode for the Giants? Oh, that that is it's a drastic improvement. Um, they still got Carl Crawford or Carl Crawford. I'm thinking old school here, Brandon Crawford. They still got Brandon Crawford, um, who's going to do. Uh, he he's fallen off a little bit offensively, and um, and realistically, a lot of it was because 2021 was a fluke. The Giants are not a 107 win team, but they won 170 games in 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 2020. Uh, or in 2021, in 2022, they did not. Uh, they showed who they truly were. But bringing a guy like Correa in immediately changes that. They, they're they at least a 90-win team, um, possibly pushing 95. Uh, his power seems to play really well on the West Coast almost all the time. Um, in fact, if you consider just games against the West next year, it helps that he plays in the NL West. But get, he, 73% of his schedule... A little over 73% of his schedule next year is going to be against NL and AL West teams, um, which include his former Astros. Uh, and so if he does sign with the Giants, um, it's, it's just another negative for my Dodgers, realistically, because um, he is. He's a gold glove shortstop, an MVP bat. Uh, the, the the impact is going to be it's, it's drastic. He's on the outside. If he's not playing for your team, you're going to think he's cocky or, or, or a jerk. But he's a really good teammate and a leader for a clubhouse. And um, as much crap as I give former Astros about 17 and stuff, um, he's done a really good job of, of playing after that and defending his guys. And the Giants have a youth movement, I think, fixing the start. And so bringing a guy like Correa in for 10 years, 300 mil, uh, is, is a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. And, and since we're on the Giants, um, Carlos Rodon, um, we have predicted six years, $180 million to sign with the Rangers or the Giants. Um, and I said earlier, the Yankees were talking to him as well. Um, but let's talk about the Rangers and Giants right here. Like, what does it mean for the Giants to sign him, to bring him in as well? The, the, with the Giants, the big thing is bringing him back. Yeah. Um, having him last year, he was a Cy Young caliber guy at the top of your rotation. Um, he pitched in 31 games, only won 14 of them, only got a winning decision of 14 of them. But a lot of that's because your offense wasn't doing anything. Uh, and so bringing in a guy like Correa um, and, and then some of these young guys kind of stepping up, uh, that those win numbers could change. He had a sub-3 ERA. Uh, he had a big jump in Ks. He had 237 Ks. But uh, – and this is going to go for the Rangers and the Giants realistically for both teams is 
I'm going to be cautious on what kind of impact he's going to have because he's a ground ball pitcher. He's not a big fly ball guy. And the shift ban begins this year. So um, you could see his ERA inflate a little bit, probably up to a 3.5 or 3.7, which is not not horrible, not worth $30 million a year yeah. uh, that I'm you know kind of projecting he's going to get here. But um, their offenses, if they can pick up, uh, bringing in a guy like Rodon, is, he's going to get you 15 to 18 wins a year, uh, which is really good. He's going to put you in a position to win five or six more on top of that at least. Um, and so the the impact is going to be good if he can if he can find a way to uh, still be effective without the shift. Yeah. And so uh, at, at 30 mil a year, and the Rangers are looking to spend money. The Giants have money to spend. It's it's going to be easy. So, yeah, yeah. I would I would like to see the Rangers bring him in if possible. Um, and but I mean, we already got Degrom. Uh, think about adding Rodon to that um, and having uh, Perez behind that, um, and having Gray behind that. Uh, we got a couple of young guys who are in the uh, who are in the uh, who are in Triple A, Double A ball. Um, Lighter and uh, the other guys. Rocker. <laughs> yep, thank you. He he always escapes my mind for some reason. Um, that are great. That that look like they'll be great pitchers for the future. And you know, you talk about bringing them up here. You know, in the next year or two um, to fill that back end um, of the rotation. Um, yeah, man, that's just that is stacked um, to think that that could be a possibility. Um, so as a Ranger fan, I'm I'm very excited about our future. Um, we have as a great. You should be. We have a great farm system. Uh, we're finally spending money. Um, it's been a long 12 years um, of rebuild, and I put quotations around that because it hasn't been a rebuild. Um, but anyways, the last person, Dansby Swanson, uh, you have projected to go eight years, $240 million to sign with the Cubs. Um, what, is that, what does that do for the Cubs? Uh, the Cubs have made some really good moves so far. They've brought in Jamison Tyon and and they've signed Cody Bellinger to a one-year $17 million deal kind of as a prove-it thing to see if he can maybe return to MVP form. They've got some youth. They've got some guys that kind of stepped up there towards the end uh, uh, and stuff. And so bringing a guy like Dansby Swanson in, he's not super flashy. He had 25 homers and 96 ribbies. Um, he, he's... He started off the 22 season just absolutely blistering the base off uh, towards the end of the year. So as the team got, as the Braves got hotter, Dansby kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, but he definitely, he possesses the tools really to, to make an immediate impact for a team. Um, and, and for the Cubs, it's going to be on both sides of the ball. Just flip of a switch like that. Uh, just adding a, 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 a a tremendous bat. Dansby's got a great bat, um, and uh, he he he's above league average in that in that area. Um, and then defensively, he's he's solid. He's a solid defender. And so, with these young guys, Dansby's going to be the guy that's going to be like, okay, hey, you need to fix this, you need to fix that. But it's not going to come across as as uh, as as kind of like a, a negative thing. He's he's going to be a leader. He's he's a great leader. Um, do I? I don't think he's going to play up to the paycheck that he's kind of being projected at right now. Um, but he's definitely going to be something that the Cubs need. An insert of 
of just juice. Uh, having won a World Series, he's got that experience that I don't know that there's any of the World Series guys left on this roster except for maybe some of the pitchers. And so that's that's what they need. That's what the Cubs need is, is somebody with experience, and now they've got it. Uh, yeah. he's, he's won. He's won the big thing. He's won a lot of games in his career. Uh, he was a former number one pick for a reason. He was highly touted as a prospect for a reason. Dansby's kind of living up to that now, and he's an interesting guy. And he's going to do. I think he's going to do great things. Um, it really is a spark plug type guy for for a Cubs team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's get this over with because I told you I was going to ask this, and I know that you're going to have a lot to say about this. So <sighs> let's just let's just get this over with. Talk about the Dodgers' the lack of involvement this offseason because, oof. Our biggest move to date is paying Kershaw $20 million, which is a steal when you consider that some of his numbers were way better than DeGrom's um, and everything. Um, <clears throat> after that, the next biggest move is signing freaking Jason Hayward. Um, so there's that. Uh, we've allowed Cody Bellinger, Andrew Haney, Tyler Anderson, Chris Martin, Tommy Canley, and Trey Turner to walk and sign somewhere else. And we still have a hole at third base. Um, whether that's going to be a free agent um, from another team or bringing back Justin Turner, I don't know. Uh, well, honestly, third base, I'm cool with riding with rookie Miguel Vargas. Um, but I would really, really, really love a veteran to just – come in even if it's just as a backup even if turner doesn't get a lot of money or even if he does screw it pay pay justin turner 20 million dollars to come in and be a backup i don't care at this point i feel like we need a veteran there in months he can play at third i just don't trust him there will smith can play at third but that would leave austin barnes as a sole catcher and i don't like that at all we have a youth movement coming up and it's cool and all and, and we're probably going to spend a lot of money on shohei otani next year which i love um but the Padres have gotten better, uh, and they're there's um, <clears throat> they're they're trying to um, uh, they're trying to spend more money on pitchers, and and the Giants um, they're trying to push to be contenders. They're looking to hand out loads of money, and they're trying to bring in that face of the franchise guy uh, to just kind of push them to the next wave. Uh, but the Dodgers we're sitting here on our hands, praying that these young guys work out. Um, and if they do, that's great. Tremendous. Andrew Friedman, you know, I'll bow down to you, build you a statue myself, whatever. Um, but if not, we're going to be, it's going to be a long stretch of Dodgers baseball. We'll still win 90 games for a couple of seasons, but it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough and it can get really rough. And, and just don't get me wrong. The next wave guys, they're tremendous. Um, but we're putting a lot of weight on them. Uh, Bobby Miller, uh, Pitcher has a great chance. Uh, he has a great chance to be the next elite arm for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, a lot of guys uh, rate him as, as a Kershaw, Koufax type guy, put him up in that upper echelon of guys. Uh, other than the fact that he's a rider, uh, righty and our best pitchers through history have all been lefties. Uh, Pepio and Grove came up last year uh, a lot, and they're great arms to have. They're tremendous, but they're not elite guys. We're down freaking Walker Bueller all season. Um, then in terms of bats, we have Michael Bush, Andy Pies, and Jacob Amaya that are just about ready to be the next elite bats on the big leagues, uh, or they've been elite at the minors. 
at the big leagues. I don't know if it'll happen um, because it's hard to kind of trust these prospects and the and everybody's like, oh, the Dodgers have great prospects and stuff. Show me another time in history when a team has been able to reel off guys, Jock Peterson, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Julio Rios, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, and Will Smith that you can just – and oh, I forgot, and Alex Verdugo in there, even though we traded him off, that these guys that just come up make a big league impact immediately. Like it doesn't happen. And so it's it's hard for me to kind of feel that that James Altman and Vargas and, and Miller and Pepio and Grove and Pajes and, and Bush and Amaya, that they're going to be able to do the same thing. Uh, and even in a couple years after that, Diego Cartaya as a catcher. It's, um, I think the luck that we've had as Dodgers fans is fixing to start running dry and we're going to have to actually start spending money to continue to be competitive and not just spending money on our own guys, but maybe bringing in some outside help. That's, yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and not to, not to add salt to the wound, I guess this wouldn't really be salt. This would probably be sugar. Um, but the arbitrator in the Trevor Bauer situation is, uh, expected to make his decision by the end of this year, um, which means that Bauer could be back for next season, um, which he'll be back with the Dodgers. Um, but um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were getting ready for, for the podcast. Um, and you mentioned something and it was interesting and I wanted to bring it up real quick, but uh, if, if Rodon signs with the, with the Giants and the Mets uh, sign Singa, um, you said that you think that the Rangers will trade for Bauer, that they'll trade Ezekiel Duran, Dane Dunning, and uh, our number, the number 16 guy in our farm system, uh, Van Asco. Um, what does that do for the Dodgers, though? Um, so for the Dodgers, for the one thing, um, and this is the unfortunate part of being fans of them, is they're, they're in California. They have a, a, a face that they have to kind of meet publicly. Uh, a lot of Dodgers fans are upset that Bauer even is still employed on the team, but they don't understand Major League Baseball. They can't they can't cut Bauer at this point um, until the end of his suspension or until he returns. And if he returns, it's going to cost $30 million. And so I think the best thing to do is to try to trade him off. I would love I would love for Bauer to still to still pitch. Um, as as we've seen time and time again, this is why it's different than than the Watson case because I know we talked about Sean Watson earlier is Watson settled he paid all those women off Bauer has not and, and courts have said that there's nothing there that, that Bauer's innocent and stuff yeah and so I would if, if Bauer pitches for the Dodgers again I will be happy for it he was a great pitcher he's a Cy Young winner um, and so he'll be he'll be really good to have um, if not trading for guys like Dunning um and Duran Dunning is going to be an an, an, uh, an innings eater. Um, we just lost Haney and Tyler Anderson, which were inning eaters for us. Dunning would step in and into that role and do that. Um, if Bauer comes back, he's going to be Bauer's going to be elite in the rotation. That's already strong, anyways. And but we don't need him, and that's the thing. If Bauer comes back, we don't need him. We can trade him off. Dunning will be an inning eater and be fine. Duran's going to be a good bat to have. Uh, he's a utility type guy, and he can fill some of the holes that we have. And, and utility guys, we love them to death. We had Kike Hernandez, and we still got yeah. Chris Taylor. Um, yeah. We had Matt Beatty, and and so we love utility guys, guys that can play a bunch of positions. Uh, and then uh, I really like Ricky Venasco. He's probably a career reliever 
Uh, the guy can spin up to, uh, you know, over 100 miles an hour. Um, but he's he's kind of – he's not coming up for the Rangers. And um, Dodgers have their way of, of working their magic with, with relievers and stuff and bringing these young guys up. Um, and so for the Dodgers, it, it would suck giving up a Cy Young guy. Uh, but at the same time, we can move that money and open up space. Uh, we guaranteed have that space for Shohei next year. Yeah. Um, or even to make a move in the middle of the season. Um, for the Rangers, it's going to give them another elite arm. Bauer is also great with the young guys, and he's from the state of Texas too. Yep. And so it's kind of like a coming home thing for Bauer, and he's good with those young guys, and you've got young arms um, all over the place uh, in Texas, and so he'll be able to pass some of that knowledge down of, of how to take care of your arm. That's a big thing for Bauer is, is how you can take care of your arm and keep yourself from getting hurt. And so – uh, I think that to have, and in the long run, Bauer's going to be a great pitching coach, and he's yeah. a great guy to already have on the staff, um, which is would be the okay if if the Dodgers kept him. Um, but trading him off could also work for the Dodgers too. Yeah, yeah, and I think it would be uh, interesting and call me crazy, um, but you know, next year after this pass, after the next season, when we get into the next off season, um, so twenty twenty four, no. Yeah, 2024 offseason. Boy, uh, that's crazy to say. Um, but for us to have DeGrom, um, for us to have, um, you know, Bauer, um, if that were to be a situation that happened, um, for us to possibly sign Perez back, um, if we mess that on uh, Rodon. Um, but for us to bring home so he can return to his home state, Clayton Kershaw, and... Uh, finish out his career in um in texas um and in that rotation you're looking at kershaw being like the number four guy like not even having to be the number one not having to be the number two like he he doesn't have that pressure so he can go out there and he can freely pitch um and he's still gonna do well even if he's um you know even if he's having a 3.5 era i'll take it in for my number four guy Oh yeah, and and I really see Kershaw as a Ranger being realistic, um, because he said that uh, he would only ever pitch two places, and that was for the Dodgers, and he would consider pitching uh, at, in Arlington for Texas, and so uh, it, it it very well could happen, and I would like to see it happen. It means I could he'll be closer, and I can watch Kershaw more because that's that's my favorite player. Um, and, and he would be good to have for the Rangers. And uh, as that as those young guys, Rocker and Lighter, start coming up, Kershaw's a great leader to have. And, and it's, it's not every day that you get to add a first ballot Hall of Famer to your rotation, even if it's just him sitting in the, in the dugout most of the time. And so he's a great guy to have just walking around your facilities and stuff. Um, and, and so... I really could see Kershaw as a Ranger, uh, and Bauer's a great guy that would have to have uh, around those young guys and keeping them um, healthy and stuff. And the Rangers are on the verge of doing great things, and it could come at the Dodgers' expense, honestly, um, which would hurt. But it would also—I would also be happy for all of y'all that are Rangers fans because you're my friends, and I love you so dearly. <laughs> Yeah, miss me with that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
all that being said, um, you got anything else to add to this baseball talk that we've had and uh, that we're going to have more of as baseball season gets closer and NFL season kind of comes to an end? Um, no, I, I actually I take it back. I will say one thing. Um, watch the Orioles. I feel like the Orioles are going to try to spend big money somewhere. Uh, I They could be a contender for Correa. Uh, getting big money. Um, in fact, at the beginning of the offseason, I projected Correa to go to the Orioles. Now is the way things have kind of shifted. I, I see him as a giant, but he could be an Oriole. The Orioles are going to be interesting. Um, I could see them maybe finding a way to spend some money and push on a, on a guy like Senga or Rodon. They've, been, they've talked to both guys, and so they could be bringing in one of those top-level arms. Uh, and they've got the they've got the youth movement started last year. DL Hall and and Gunnar Henderson and most importantly Adley Rutschman and uh, but they've got the next level of guys too with with Grayson Rodriguez and here's the uh, Kerstad getting ready to come up and um, they're they're in a good spot and I feel like they might try to spend money on one guy. They're not going to go out and spend a lot of money. They're going to spend a little bit of money on 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 one guy. Not a lot of people to. Um, push them to the next level. Uh, and, and I forgot, Jorge Mateo had a breakout year. Uh, Rugnet Odor had a throwback year. Uh, they've still got Cedric Mullins. And so th- the Orioles made a late push last year after being the laughingstock of baseball for even a better part of the first half. Uh, and they are in a position that if they make the right move, they could be um, a wild card team next year, and then or legitimate contenders shortly after that. So that's that's all I got to say right there. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. Um, I know we talked a lot about the Orioles last year, and um, I said, man, they just they they look good at times and they look terrible at times. But you make a good point. Like they're they're on the verge of really uh, making that next push to actually become. Um, a, a, gr- a good team um, and spending a little bit of money um, to bring in some of these veteran players um, with these younger players will help them become a good team. Um, and we can see the Orioles being a great team here over the next, um, after a couple seasons of them spending money and, and working together. Um, so yeah, that, I, I like that, that you added that, that the Orioles are a team to watch because uh, they could be sneaky. So, yeah. But all right. If A becomes B and C becomes D, then what does E become? I, I don't know. F? Irrelevant. <laughs> God bless America. <laughs> Got him. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Scrub Nation Podcast. Um, and we look forward to interacting with you. Y'all have a great day, night. Adios. Adios.